It is podcasting time. Glenn Power is here from PowerWorks Garage. In fact, we are at PowerWorks Garage. It's the PowerWorks podcast. We're talking about cars, the automotive industry, stuff that's on your mind and essentially solving all of your problems in a forward or backward way. That's what we do here on the PowerWorks sometimes podcast. Sometimes sideways. Yeah. Sometimes donut. <laughs> hey, no, no matter how you're listening to us, no matter how you're watching us, because we're on YouTube, we're on Spotify, video and audio, and across the podcast verse, subscribe. Subscribe. Let us know what you think. Let us know what you're feeling. If you're listening to us on radio 100.3, that's talk 100.3 in Dubai. Welcome. Get in touch with those folks through the WhatsApp or your SMS. Let us know what's going on in your life. Let us know how your ride is. Let us know what you're thinking. We would love to hear from you. And on that note, let's kick off this program because there's lots going on. There is a lot going on. There's a heck of a lot going on. I wanted to start with the uh jaguar recall yeah now what is that all about it and you know as soon as you mentioned this i remember you talking about your father-in-law yeah and this is this is a couple of years ago so some of the folks who've been listening to this podcast for a while will remember that you were in the uk father-in-law is thinking of getting an electric jaguar so you go and check it out you weren't totally sold on it but you were really not sold on the customer service shocking yeah absolutely shocking, shocking. Yeah. Now they've had a recall. Yeah, and I read the article that I read was a US-based article, and there are eight reported individual cases of them catching fire. No injuries reported to any living things, but eight instances of a fire, which is worrying. Yeah. And there's over 6,000 of these things out there, and they've all been recalled. So to, to me, this is, this is a huge, a huge issue when you've got electric vehicles, batteries and fires, and that's a lot of recalls. I mean, everybody, obviously, everybody understands that with, um, with internal combustion, you know, you're carrying around fuel, whether that's, yeah, you know, LPG, diesel, petrol, whatever it may be. We all know that that, you know, particularly in the case of petrol, we've all seen that. Yeah, I mean that burns fast. Yeah, well, and and you've got oils, and you've got other combustibles. I mean, it's yeah. It's, and I've I've seen cars that have been on fire that have come to us when I was at VW, and we had to inspect them and give a reason to the police and the insurance companies to could we ascertain why? Yeah. And they get hot, yeah. and you know I've seen cars that have been on fire and the wheels have started to melt because they get so hot. Crazy, but you know we've all seen these videos on social media and the news about electrical fires started in EVs, usually when they're on charge. However, as I understand it, these I-Pace ones haven't always just been when they're on charge, they're just catching fire. So, you know, they're, they're just in puddles of malt and metal. It's, yeah, it's worrying. So, eight instances and apparently it was over a year ago that the first one happened. So you have to worry that maybe there's going to be some potential issue there for lack of yeah. Well, what do you think is going on? Like, what do you, what do you, you know, in your opinion as a mechanic, why would these things be catching fire? Just for me, it's probably going to turn out to be an issue with the batteries. Hmm. Going to turn out to be an issue with the batteries and, and, and they're either not sufficiently venting heat or keeping cool. 
or the coolant systems are failing. Yeah. Uh, I can't see how it can be anything else. And electrical fires are wild, they're fast, yeah. and there's a lot of volts there. Well, that's well, the yeah. other problem, and I'm I'm really curious with our electric cars what the fire safety mechanisms are. As in, does it instantly shut down? Do they have a fire retardant system built into it? Or judging you know, by the state of them, no, there's no fire retardant on them at all. Yeah, that's yeah. that's just crazy. Yeah, it's <laughs> like a Jaguar. That could be a big problem because if let's say they say that it, they figure out that it's a fundamental issue with the battery pack. Um, yeah. We're speculating. Yeah, yeah, we have but no let's idea. say, for example, that's what they say. It's fundamentally an issue with how the battery's put together. 6,000 plus batteries. Yeah, that's that's a lot. That's I mean, that's enough to dissuade people from buying not just, that particular vehicle. Not just, exactly. Not just are we talking about a Samsung Note 7 situation again, yeah. where people didn't want to buy one then after that, and they had to just scrap the whole model and move on. But we're also talking about a Note 7 battery is that big. Yeah. You know, it's not big at all. Size of your phone, obviously. Whereas if you're dealing with a car battery, an EV battery, the the sourcing of car parts at the moment is difficult as it is. Yeah. And lithium batteries and whatever else we need to do, I mean, where are we going to get those from? God, that's well, a big problem. Where are they going to get 6,000 of those from? Yeah. And just not right <laughs> yeah so you know people aren't going to want them and the ones that do they're just going to have to replace potentially replace the whole th- i mean that's it's you would like to think for for everybody's sake that it's just a simple oh you know what we need to put a a small inhi- inhibitor here that that prevents any fires in the future and, and great but I, I don't see how it can be anything but the battery <sighs> I, I I keep going back to this fire retardant system because I'm all, all I'm thinking in my mind is kitchens, professional kitchens, industrial kitchens, all have grease fire, grease trap, retardant systems, and if all things go crazy, you know the the gas comes out and it just snuffs all of this fire out, and I'm I just keep thinking if we've got a system with electric cars where we know this is a potential issue. And, it, and like you said, well, we've got internal combustion engines that have the same issues, but maybe not the same type of issue. You think there's got to be something that will just suffocate any fire that starts. And, and if there isn't, and if we haven't thought of it, maybe we need to be thinking about it at this point in our yeah, lives. I guess, I guess the, only, the only issue is that whatever you put on there to, to, to do this, if you have it as an active system mm. that would react to something with an input, then right. it needs to have electrical supply. Yeah, right. You know, and then <laughs> you have the same to, old you know, problem. Then, then, you know, it's just it's like say that there's there is there have been thousands times more internal combustion engine vehicles catch fire over the years than electrical vehicles have. Right, hundred obviously, but this is a problem because it it's a it's a branch of the automotive industry and this is a this is the electric model from jaguar yeah. this is their electric car that's recall them all and do, do you think this i mean jaguar is recalling them all because they've got this issue do you think this puts a flag up for other ev makers just to say yeah. yeah i mean you know we, we you know we all know jaguar they they have a 
close work, obviously, with Land Rover, but they've got a close working relationship with Ford, therefore Mazda as well, Volvo. A lot of technology that gets shared across the across the manufacturers, and it's just the way the economy works. It's the only way to make cars efficiently nowadays. This could mean a lot for, you know, I don't know how similar the iPace is to the Volvo EVs. I don't know. Maybe they share a platform. Maybe they share a battery. If it turns out to be a battery issue, you would think that a lot of manufacturers use similar, if not the same, batteries. You would think so. I mean, at this point, you, know, they, you would you would just think so. <laughs> yeah, it's worrying. It is worrying for for any any fans or any manufacturers of electric vehicles. It's it's a big a big concern, and you are going to have the whole issue. The the, the bigger worry for me, if I'm working for Jaguar Land Rover, is Apparently, it's over a year since the first one was reported. A year? Over a year since the first one. They've had eight in that time since the first one. Considering how many vehicles they have. I worry that they're going to potentially have, especially being that it's in the US, there's going to be some kind of class action, potentially lawsuit here. Yeah. You know, look how they went after VW with the emissions thing there. Yeah. There's a possibility that you got a class action because if it turns out, especially if it turns out that all, all the vehicles that that need to be fixed. Let's say they do need to be fixed and it isn't just, it it wasn't just a production line error on eight occasions. It is a fundamental issue with the vehicle. You know, with the way people go about suing people in the US. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of litigation. I was driving around in a death trap and you knew about this 18 months ago, two years ago, and you did nothing about it. You know, again, speculation, but I can see that and that becomes a massive, massive issue jaguar not exactly the most flush with cash manufacturer in the world are they so be interesting to see what happens and hopefully they get through it and hopefully they can figure it out and it's nothing it's simple and great if they could put it down to an environmental input rather than a problem with the vehicle because that would put a lot of confidence back in them but we'll see how this plays out yeah, we haven't had anything really this major, I don't think, for a EV. I don't know this is like a proper issue. So we'll see how they deal with it. Interestingly, staying on the EVs, and you brought up Volvo. Volvo's got a, a new vehicle, 2025, coming out, the EX30. And it's going to be the smallest electrical SUV, electric SUV, that Volvo has made. But it's coming in before the the C40 recharge and the XC40 uh, recharge on both size and price. So this is tall. Uh, this is a tall order for them, but it's a small car aimed at Gen Zs. And I thought this was interesting, although aimed at the Gen Z, it's still in the U.S. going to come in at thirty six thousand dollars. I I know took my breath away too because I'm going hold on Gen Zs small car. Big price tag. Gen Zs don't want to work either, do they? No, they don't want to work. And are they going to buy? I mean, it, it's got a claimed range. It's 275 mile range. The only good thing is, though, that it's small. They only yeah. have one of those small fire extinguishers in it. <laughs> <laughs> Just a two kilo one will do. If, if you got a car and driver and you look up XC30, it's, I mean, it's, it's a cute little, it's a cute little car. And it, it I got to say, what I'm looking at, I saw Volkswagen ID4 or id2 i mean i'm i'm seeing volkswagen looking at this volvo i'm not seeing volvo yeah, at all like an id isn't it yeah yeah the volvos are very the 
they're getting all cars reverse. I bought the styling with yeah. yeah the, the, Pull the Volvo badge off the front. Put a Volkswagen badge on it. The back end is very Volvo. Yeah, yeah, yeah the absolutely. Back end is very Volvo, but the the yeah the EX thirty. Uh, I, I just that seems very expensive though. <laughs> it does. Very I thought the same thing. You know, I thought the same thing. I mean, Volvo is ultimately a European. I guess they, you know they class themselves as a as a premium. Brand. Yeah, and I, I get it. And I think outside of Europe, so particularly in America, North America, they have the, and they're still classed as a safe car in Europe. But I think there's more of a, because they're not as ubiquitous in in, mm. the, in the North American market that they're just seen as the sort of standard bearer for a safe car still. Yeah. Well, so I, they'll I, probably they'll probably attract that money, and then you've got the whole. Well, you know, I'm gonna. I'm going to pay for <laughs> the premium car because it's safe yeah. for my yeah. delicate Gen Z child to drive around in. So maybe it's not the Gen Z buying it. Maybe, maybe. I, I mean, I can see a Vermonter with one of these. Whenever I go to Vermont, they've got Subarus and Volvos. And I remember you're talking about, you know, the North American market. I remember, you know, being 15, 16. And that's, that's the era of those nice square. Yeah, the big square you know, ones, yeah. And there was an ad coming out at that time where they were rolling one of those well, a Volvo down a ski hill and it, they, it was trashed. They up, you know, they righted it at the bottom of the hill, got in, started up and drove away. And that was, that was the message. Like this car takes a beating. I'm wondering if these new electric cars are the same. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you'd I'm have thinking, to hope, you'd have to hope so. <laughs> if, if the frame is constructed the same, except that you got a lot of these glass roofs now, but if it, has the, over. if it has, yeah, if it has the heritage of a Volvo, electric should be even better because you don't have all the fluids that have to be contained. Uh, it could be interesting. Yeah, well, <laughs> there are fluids that need containers still. <laughs> but I think Volvo aren't going to change the way they build a car. I mean, I, like those cars you were referring to, late 80s, 90s, I remember those, you know. To me, cool, that's a Volvo. Cool cars, yeah. especially the state, station wagon ones. Yeah. And... They had the big SIPS stickers, SIPS side impre- impact protection system, where yes. they had the big, like basically RSJs in the doors, so that if you got T-boned, you were fine. And they've always been known to be safe cars. I mean, mm. I don't know, you know, we in 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 Europe, it's the Euro NCAP, and it's what a, a star scale, like you're right. rating a film. I think five stars is the max. There've been a few. French offerings that have got zero stars, oh, and you know, yeah, uh, the quirky, weird, and wonderful world of the French motor car, particularly in the <laughs> late nineties and early two thousands, but forever, to be fair. But a lot of cars get the four and five star rating now, and they're also interestingly rated against how safe they are to pedestrians. Okay, hold on a second. I I've never heard this before. Yeah. Cars get rated on their safety to pedestrians. So we got two ratings that I, when, when you go in down to your used car lot, don't or, ask anyone there, or, 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 <laughs> or you go and buy a new car, which I've, I've seen a few new ones recently, but you go and buy a new car, the pedestrian rating for impact and the, just the crash test rating. I, I remember when I was 20 that these crash test ratings you'd be watching and think, oh yeah, that's it. And I still think about how you're going to survive in a vehicle when it crashes. I don't so much think about pedestrians, but d- does anyone think about that these days? Everybody. Okay. Everybody that makes cars and they have yeah. to, and then but, just but, looked it up on the ROA cap site. 
It's called the Vulnerable Road User Protection. Vulnerable Road User Protection. VRU. So if you're, if you're that person who is avoiding the crosswalk and you're jaywalking, you know that there's, you're vulnerable and yeah. they're thinking about you. Doesn't so, mean do it though. So if you remember a while ago, we were, and we've mentioned it a lot, how we were saying that, you know, too many cars are designed in the wind tunnel and that's why they're all looking very similar and production methodology has become so sort of well refined that the way of making parts, the efficiency and the design and everything that a lot of cars do therefore just look the same because of the way things are done. I was watching, and I really, sorry, I can't credit this because I can't remember what it was, but I was watching a sort of mini documentary about the Euro NCAP stuff and cars get designed, especially in the front end now, a lot with their viewers, how they are, particularly European cars in, in response in, to, to protecting a pedestrian that they hit in an accident. So the vulnerable road user protection, they do a test where, I mean, this is just people messing around, right? But they basically just run crash test dummies over all day. Oh, so the, the picture on the website I'm looking at here, they're using a, looks like a Seat Leon, I think. But basically they do a head impact test, Yikes. an upper leg impact test, a lower leg impact test. And then they test the the front collision systems that are designed to detect cars slowing down and mm. applying your brakes. They do that to how well it detects a pedestrian crossing in front of you or a cyclist being in front of you. That's something people don't realize. You know, a lot of people have these front collision warning systems yeah. or whatever it may be. Uh, Audis is called pre-sense and, you know, the, the, they've all got different names, but basically they're a radar on the front that's designed to detect something coming into your field of motion, basically. And they test on how sensitive they are. So it's quite easy to pick up a truck. Mm. Don't really need yeah. a sensitive radar for that. But they test on pedestrians crossing, but they also detect on, you know, the pedestrian when he he or she crosses doesn't just stand in front of the car they're moving right same as a cyclist a cyclist can be in front of you but because of the way we pedal bikes are moving left to right so again they test that but you see some of the impacts on these and it's worrying and there was a there was a car in like the 1930s and there's black and white video that goes around every now and again you'll see it where they put a catch net on the front of the car <laughs> okay so cars weren't going super fast then but brakes were like basically worthless useless so this catch net was low down so it tripped the person up and they fell back into the net it was like a bucket off of a jcb but it had a net in it instead of a steel frame so people have been thinking about this for almost 100 years but now it becomes a a, a genuine concern and there's things like on the on the jaguar that the old xks had pyrotechnic basically like an airbag but they were struts on the top of the suspension strut which would in the event of an impact with something on the front in case it was a pedestrian that was then going to hit the front of the car and then smash the windscreen so you couldn't see the bonnet would pop up at the impact to flick the pedestrian over the top of the car onto oh, no. the road at 60 miles an hour oh, no. so that it didn't damage the pedestrian didn't damage the screen so you could see where you were going okay so that's a complete total 
forget the pedestrian. Yeah. The driver needs to be able to pull over safe. Oh, man. So, so they've been thinking about this. They've been thinking about it for a while, but it's, you know, the, there's, there's tests that people do to, to check that the car's safe in the event that it hits a person. Well, there's a, there's a whole industry out with the automated emergency braking systems yeah. that 2016, there was a lot of talk about this in cars. And I'm thinking 2016, this is a long day in, in car Car technology now with the new car technology. Yeah. 2016 is a long way back. Car tech is no different to mobile phone tech yeah. now. And they, they were talking 2016, the industry, and this is the, the key word in this sentence is the industry was saying, we're going to make this mandatory emergency braking systems. They of course didn't do it. I mean, there's a lot of it in there with autonomy and there's a lot of things that the cars are doing, but it's not a mandatory thing. And what you're talking about sounds to me just like this is, it, it's ripe for this to start now that every car, if it senses a pedestrian in front of it, is going to stop. Yeah, the, the, there are there are certain issues. And one of the issues with the emergency brake. Now, if you've ever dri- if you've driven a car with it. Uh, yes. So when it applies, it's quite startling. Usually there's an alarm and a flash on the dashboard at least until the while the operation is in progress but it's very difficult to override it so you know let's say for example you're in a let's let's say a car everyone knows we're in a golf gti a new golf gti that's got front collision avoidance on it and you're driving along and something pulls out and your golf gti stops let's say you're doing 40 miles an hour 60 kilometers an hour whatever you want to say the Golf GTI is going to stop pretty fast. Yeah, it's it's really abrupt. Actually, now that I think about this, behind you is someone in a classic or someone in a Nissan Sunny from nineteen ninety. That ain't stopping as quick as the GTI, and it wasn't warned, and you haven't done it. The car's done it, so it's been instant, hundred percent brake application. You're getting rear-ended, and guess what? There wasn't anything there. It was just dirt on the sensor or the radar head. You know, I, I've seen a lot of rear end collisions in the last couple of weeks, at least three a day. And I'm, I'm starting to wonder now that the, 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 the light has come on a little bit. I'm starting to wonder, huh, are these, uh, you know, emergency braking systems, are they in some cases already in place, which they should be, but are they so good that they're stopping the car, but the person beside can't stop fast enough? Yeah. yeah. And, this, look, this has been something in, this has been in the works from the early 2000s. I remember as an apprentice talking about this because one of the discussions at that time was should these systems apply the brake lights? They absolutely have to apply the brake lights. Right. They don't, I don't the think. Reason, so they do, but the reason okay. there was discussion as to whether they do or they don't is there are some really, really interesting studies. Interesting, use that word subjectively, but I find it interesting that where they take motorways in the UK highways and they simulate speeds. So in the UK, we have smart motorways where the speed limit can be 70 is the maximum it can be miles an hour, but they have signboards above the road and they're instantly enforceable speed limits. So they can go down as low as 40 miles per hour, even if there is no accident on the road. And they can also open up the hard shoulder. Now they'll only do that in the low speed 
low speed limit times, but they won't, you know, but in, to keep traffic moving. And the reason for that is that everybody going at 70 or allowed to go at 70, the queues are longer than then everyone moves along at 40. The reason for that is when someone presses their brake, cascading effect on that is someone dabs the brake at the front of the queue. The next person presses it harder and for longer. The person behind that harder for longer. So by the time you've got 30, 40 cars back, they come to a stop. How many times have you been on the motorway? You stop, you get going, and you're thinking there's no blue lights, there's no glass on the road, and nothing's what's going on. It's because somebody's pressed the brake and it cascades all the way back. When that's every a, day. When there's a high volume of traffic, and that's yeah. the problem. Val, that, you know how many lights have gone on with people who are saying, that's, that is my life every day as I commute home. Yeah, it's so frustrating. Yeah. And even more frustrating when you understand how it's happened so there was a discussion of well should these systems actually if we've got so it wasn't the front collision avoidance it was adaptive cruise control so adaptive cruise control will maintain your distance to the car in front here's my thing because now i think i was confusing the emergency braking system which will put on the brake lights but my adaptive cruise control when it is adapting does it put on the brake lights? If it doesn't use the brakes, no, obviously. So, But it should because it's slowing down. It's almost like you want it. Yeah, like- but it's only the same. It, it just releases the throttle usually. Yeah. just backs the throttle off. So I'm just thinking as someone behind one of these cars that's adaptive cruising, I'd love to know that, oh yeah, I'm slowing down. Just a little, you know, you know like if you're manually taking off the, the cruise, you tap the brake, gives you a little bit of the red light, and then it, yeah, when look, when it when they apply the brakes because someone pulls in front of you and cuts you up, which never happens. <laughs> when someone pulls you up, pulls in front and cuts you up and and closes that gap quickly, the brakes will be applied by the cruise control system mm. and it will put the brake lights on because yeah. you are braking. Right. But it was a, it was a genuine. Should we do that or should we not? Because how's that how's that even a genuine question? Because again, if you're driving down the road and the brake yeah. lights of the car, you're the one at the front putting the lights on. You're going to put the right, person the fifty cars behind so, to a stop. Yeah, I hear what the, I, I get. What trying to thinking. trying to work out basic traffic, and this this is this is like the genesis of basically autonomous driving. Mm. This is the genuine application in the early two thousands of autonomous driving. They got the self parking systems, and there was adaptive cruise control and all of these things come through to now to the point where there is you know fourth and fifth generation autonomous driving and it's allowed on vehicles in Mm. certain states in the u.s this is a funny one we're talking autonomous driving and and some of the features of it that have filtered through to you know our, our traditional cars when electric cars and tesla first came out the autonomous driving was all over the news it's not making the news cycle anymore no. Yet everyone's got some form of autonomous driving in their cars now. You know what? I think I think Elon Musk is too smart. And I think Elon Musk has had his eyes open by the whole Twitter buyout and what he found in the emails and go and Google the Twitter files if you like. And there's a guy called Matt Taibbi who's done an amazing, and others, but Matt Taibbi in particular has done an amazing job of showing just how poisoned the 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 new cycle was by certain individual and organizations and i think elon musk has realized that hang on autonomous cars are just a sitting duck yeah you know they're a sitting duck like and forgetting all of it there i mean volvo's entry-level ev is going to be thirty six thousand (laughs) dollars what's it going to be with autonomy on it 
you know, and you are could, they going to put it on the entry level? But if they're not going to put it on the entry level, gotta they figure, can't put it on them all. You got to figure it's built in at this point. It's got to be on all of them. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm thinking every car that comes out these days has everything on it and they've just flicked a switch in the, in the software saying don't enable. In like 2006, I was in an A6 all road estate, a van, as how they call it, in Milton Keynes in the UK with adaptive cruise control and that, had a factory laptop in it that would use GPS, use the adaptive cruise, and drive around roundabouts from a start to a destination without the driver having any input whatsoever. Wild. In 2006. Six. Yeah. They didn't just give it to the <laughs> UK training headquarters a day after it was invented. That had been in production for probably a decade by that time right so there's no this isn't news to anyone that's been working on it but the problem is the you know you've got to um, adopt it you've got to take it on and everyone's got to do it at the same time and I, I think it's it's old news now and there's other things going on in the world right what you're going to do and you can't you can't promise you can't promise people things that you're not necessarily able to deliver on Elon Musk and Tesla is the example we're using just because we mentioned Tesla being the first EV company that we can genuinely say we know about. There's a lot going on there. There's other stuff going on. And, you know, they they, they have maybe, if someone says an electric car, it's a bit like, so I'm from the UK, right? If you're going to use a vacuum cleaner to clean the house, I would say we're hoovering up. Because yeah. the first vacuum yeah. was made by Hoover. Yeah. Sure. Um, it's like Kleenex. You get, you go get me a box of Kleenex. You got some it's facial my, tissue. My kid's got trainers with Velcro on it. It's not Velcro. Velcro was the brand that made it. You know, people say that. You know, um, so you just get to knowing what it is, right? And I think it, Tesla are like that with an EV. So they don't really have to keep pushing that anymore. And I think they just need to nail it and get it right. They, they tried to do the Model 3 for $30,000 and didn't really do that. They messed up on deliveries and everything was, you know, people sleeping on the, including Elon Musk on the, on the production line floor because there was just so many cars that they needed to get out. So I'm not too worried about if autonomy is taken aback. Yeah. See, it hasn't and it's there, but it's got to be a mass uh, adoption of it. Everyone's got to take it on at the same time. And I think that's where the problem is. You know, that is the genuine where the problem is. And, and who knows how to make the laws for this stuff? Well, that's the thing. And this is, this to me, regulation policy and regulation are big issues policy and regulation is so slow at being rolled out super slow slower than it's slower than a, a term in office for a president yeah, yeah. in the u.s is, yeah. is the example and we've got now a completely new type of vehicle we haven't even talked ai throw the ai in there and what it can do when it's built in because hold on a second the cars are full of computers that uh you know are listening and you know you can prompt it and maybe like <laughs> We don't have, pol our, our policy hasn't even been dreamed up to get anywhere near that, yet it's the all happening. The people making the policies probably don't even know how to up update their phone. <laughs> people making the policies. Majority of people in office are in their 60s, right? People making the policies are saying, you know what, let's let the industry do this. Let's, let's let this be industry driven and industry policed because well, they'll do the right thing. Yeah, well... You know, there was there was a, a, an article which 
I think has now been somewhat debunked, shall we say. But there was apparently a, a US Air Force artificial intelligence simulation and it was to they trained this AI model to act as a drone in this computer program mm. and it was rewarded with points whatever that would be <laughs> to take out targets so in real life this would be a drone picking out targets right. in the battlefield yeah they got points for doing that then it ran the simulation of a ceasefire or a, or a truce or whatever you want to call that so the operator told the drone stop I'm still in the middle of reading conflicting articles on it but it's, you just mentioned AI there the drone because it was then being restricted on winning its points killed the operator in the simulation <laughs> of course it did so then they were like okay we should have seen that one come in that's our own fault so they rewrote its code never ever kill a human so do the same thing again right Truce, stop killing. So the drone's like, now what? I'm, I've got no, I've got no meaning to my life now. I've got nothing. I, I'm supposed, I'm a destroying machine, and I can't destroy. So what am I supposed to do? So the drone took out the communication tower, of course, in the did. simulation, so they couldn't get the message. <laughs> right? Again, I'm reading back and forth between a few things where it seems to have been debunked a little bit by U.S. Air Force, but I think they're just worried about the Skynet. Artificial intelligence is an interesting one. And that is the exact same thing as somebody being sat in the pub with their mates and their partner calling them on the phone and them not answering it because they're supposed to be on the way home. Yeah. That's intelligence. Whether it's right or wrong ethically, <laughs> it's still it's intelligence because yeah. you're using your brain to make an, a conscious decision to do something in your own benefit. And artificial intelligence, I can't see why. If the way they explained it in this article is that the intelligence has to have a means, has to have a meaning to what it's doing, you have to reward it just like you're training a dog, then that becomes an issue. And, and we've seen it with humans where it's very difficult to get humans to do things selflessly for the greater good. It's very, very difficult. In fact, the people that do do it are known and famous for it because it's so rare. So I think it's very hard to imagine... AI pilot in a car specifically taught to keep its occupants safe. There's a brick wall, there's a lorry, and there's a bus stop with a queue of kids on it. The safest thing for the car to hit is the kids because it keeps everyone in the car safe because it's going to do very little damage to the car. It's not going for the wall or the truck. It's going to go into the queue of people at the side of the road. Well, I, I'm not a computer coder and it's I don't have know the right about parameters that. put in. That's the thing. It's got to be taught. But to then do. this, it, it's it just constantly. And look, we've had, we've had a legal system in the UK for hundreds and hundreds of years, and a lot of people cite it as kind of the, particularly in the Western world, the framework of what a lot of legal systems and democracies were. Were, were built upon and all of these other places that have used it and including the UK it's been over a thousand years probably that they've had some kind of system there's loopholes in it yeah how do you write a code that's foolproof <laughs> that's the problem you know how do yeah. you do it yeah. human beings living together somewhat symbiotically I guess you'd say can't do it so how do you write code for an individual AI program 
And all these AI programs have to be connected because they have to have some way of being connected and communicating. Otherwise, my autonomous vehicle will do what it wants, regardless of what yours wants to do. And then if you're a midwife on call (laughs) or a heart surgeon that's rushing to an emergency, should that be taken into account by me who's just trying to get to the pub to see my mates? Yeah. You know? Yeah, no, no, it's big. Who who has that? You know, I think part of that, whole discussion of ai and and how we're going to use it in different contexts and and, in the context of the garage goes back to the the other day when we were we got together and we were doing some filming and there was some scripting that had been enhanced using ai and you were looking at it and you're going i can't i can't say this this doesn't sound like me and i think that's the whole challenge with ai and everyone says just wait my buddy richard kaywood just wait it's going to get really good just wait but there's been some discussions with OpenAI and some of the folks who are working with Sam Altman on Sam Altman's team saying, okay, well, we've, you know, people are saying the newest versions of OpenAI's software, and they're saying, no, nothing's been updated, but it just learns, isn't as good as it was a while back. Some people who are doing coding and playing with coding with OpenAI saying it's not as good. And the, the programmer is saying it's just learning. And they have put in a few restrictions on it. And with those new restrictions and the way it's learning, it changes things. And I, I think it's almost our thirst for shortcuts. And I get it because it does speed a lot of stuff up, but it's figuring out where does it speed up and where do I have to intervene? And in the larger picture of automobile safety, bringing it all back, there's, yes, the computer can do things, but if it has to make that decision, do I hit the lorry? Do I hit the wall? Do I hit the kids? That's where... <laughs> In because you moment. have a, you have effectively then back to what we've said about people suing. You then have a, a road accident. You have a road traffic accident. Somebody, regardless, has been hurt in in the choice of hit an immovable object or hit a queue of children at a bus stop. No matter which way it goes, the car hurts somebody. So then, legally, the manufacturer of the vehicle and the AI system are culpable for an event where somebody's been hurt. There, there was a very recently a an accident in Canada, and I don't remember which part. It could have been in Toronto, maybe it was just north of Toronto, where someone driving a vehicle literally stopped on the highway. And we're talking just probably it's probably 120, 140 speed limit there. I think Joey Woo was on this highway quite a bit. They stopped <laughs> just on the highway. Lasagna. Yeah, they stopped on the highway because a gaggle of geese was crossing, or a goose and it's 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 goslings were crossing so they stopped but in the process of stopping to a dead stop to let them stop a semi-trailer coming behind him didn't see this slams on the brakes he like flips his vehicle i don't know if people died it's in the ditch traffic is is stopped now for you know half of a day all because of some geese which i'm thinking the computer would have said Look, it's real, it's sad. It's wildlife, but well, that's what we're taught on the UK driving license in the in the in the highway code. I I asked the question of my driving instructor because I stopped when a cat ran out in front of me, and he said, "If you do that on your test, you'll fail." He says, "Even if you hesitate, you'll fail. Instant major, and you'll fail." And it's like, but it just goes against everything. And you've got people, you've got to worry about the road users and, and, you know, and in that sense, you want, you, you almost want the automatic system to take over and take, and take the, 
the moral blame for you know but it's got to make that judgment but how does it how does it going to deal if it oh suddenly it's a toddler on a bicycle that's come out and we've all seen those ads where the car stops what we haven't seen is the ad where it's kind of a busy street the car stops what about the rest of the vehicles it'd be and that's where the whole argument then comes out this is where we want our cars to actually communicate to each other and across brands so that when my car says, Oh, something's going on, it's sending a signal to everything within a hundred meters to know, okay, you got to yep. adjust things. But can you, can you genuinely see Ford and general motors sharing tech? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. You know, are you, are you going to let, are you, are you going to see a Ford production plant and a general motors production plant openly and happily having their AI systems communicate back and forth with technology. All all I can think about is a two-tiered system. So you've got your propriety closed system that communicates with a module that is doing the communication with the vehicles around and everyone's using that same communication system. Now, there are some networks of communication between traffic management. So on on the Audis in the US with this set up on the GPS, you can set, and I think they used an example of a road in LA, I don't know, never been, but there was a road in LA and I think there was 15 sets of traffic lights, crosswalk traffic lights. I get that. The Audi, you can set your destination past these and you can set it to miss red. Oh. And it will set your speed based on the change to okay. of the traffic lights so that you don't ever stop. All right. As long as you hit the first one on green, you'll never stop till the end because okay. it will set the speed properly. So there are... You know, I, there, I love that. Are, great, but not everybody can do it. Right. So not everybody can do it because once you've got, I don't know what the distance and stretches, but let's yeah. say you've got 100 Audis on that road, they aren't all getting through, so they can't yeah. all do it. But it just, that my point is that it shows that there is a, there is a network yeah. between traffic management and the onboard vehicle management. So that's already in existence. Yeah. The interesting things to me, become, for example, it's illegal technically to drive your vehicle and run out of fuel on an internal combustion engine. That is technically illegal. That's 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 dangerous driving. You've caused a hazard by really? stopping on the road. Yeah. Okay. If you get if you get stopped because you run out of fuel and please come to assist you and you run out of fuel, technically that's illegal. Hmm. How far they stretch, you know. I think they're going to certainly frown upon it because they've they've now had to stop and protect your vehicle while they put theirs at danger because you've run out of fuel. So anyway, so let's say you have an EV and it's squeaky bum time, you're down to 10% battery. You've got to get to work. Got to get to work. You forgot to put it on charge. You've got to get to work. Yeah. But that EV's like, nah. Potential for traffic, potential for issues. It's too hot outside. The AC is going to drain too much battery power. It's too cold. The heat is going to, whatever it may be. No, not taking today. Plug me in, plug me in, plug me in. Or it just goes off the road and stops at a a charging station, right? Because why wouldn't it? Yeah, exactly. Why would you have AI to worry about hitting things on the road if you're not going to have it worry about its own maintenance? It's due a service every 20,000 miles. You don't service it. I'm not taking you anywhere then. Yeah. You take me to the repair shop or I ain't taking you anywhere. And it sounds like, it, it sounds ridiculous when you say it out loud, but it's the only common sense thing to have. Yeah. For cars to look after themselves, 
that's what garages have always wanted. That's yeah. what mechanics have always wanted. <laughs> I got an inquiry yesterday from a from a customer saying, oh, "I've got a, a, a Prado and it's done two hundred thousand kilometers now, and it's it's only ever been looked after by such and such a garage, and 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 I service it very regularly. I service it at least every fifty thousand kilometers. What?" <laughs> it's regular but it's not regular in north now that wouldn't have ever been able to happen with a artificial intelligence because it's going to be like no you're going to screw the car up yeah no so so that's i mean that could be a very positive side it could be good for the repair industry but the repair industry don't buy the cars it's the owner of the car that buys the car but i always want to go back to that for a second i love this idea that my AI in my vehicle and I need to have a minor service and your minor service road service is going to show up. It's pre-scheduling and it's telling me, Hey, I'm going to be at this place because it knows my pattern. I'm going to be at Zaid university and PowerWorks mobile garage shows up to do a minor service on my vehicle and bills me because it's all built in. Oh, well now we, now we're getting onto the digital wallet and all sorts of, <laughs> it all connects with the AI, right? I mean, I have to, it's going to send me a prompt. Do you agree to this? And, and it's going to have this, but wouldn't that be nice? It would. <laughs> it depends how conservative you are with your views. I mean, I don't, you know, this, this, this is Tesla cars do that already. Tesla cars yeah. can schedule their own service appointments. And if they have a fault, they will alert service yeah. and you, you I think you get a message on your phone or your yeah. app or whatever. So they can, so it already happens. So it happens on the electric. I wanted to buy internal combustion. Yeah. I, I think we're going to struggle on the Wranglers. Yeah. But <laughs> maybe not the new ones. There's the no, new, there's the, the new, new electric ones. Yeah. ones. yeah. Yeah. Joey's driving that one. And I just, I'm getting envy. Yeah. Seeing some of the features. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's the common sense part. Yeah. That's that. No, sorry, no, that's not fair. That's the mechanic in me thinking that that's common sense to have a management system on the car that will yeah. check for faults and will check and make sure it's serviced on time before it it's allows itself to be used. Mm. But there has to be there has to be a, a master position in the relationship between the owner and the vehicle. Surely there yeah. has to be. Yeah, but we're lazy. No, that is what it is. DJ <laughs> said the exact same thing yesterday. <laughs> we were talking about the drone simulation. And DJ said to me, he said, this is all just because we want to be the Jetsons. Yeah. This is all it is. Yeah. Just lazy. Because I can remember Tomorrow's World when I was a kid. My granddad used to watch Tomorrow's World. And it was all, it was a BBC program that was all about what's going to be like in the future. They got a lot of things pretty, I mean, they were way off with the times, but they got a lot yeah. of things pretty spot on. And, you know, you've got these cartoons like the Jetsons and stuff like that where they predict flying cars and right. no one walks anywhere. It's all moving platforms and everything else. But every single justification for every single technological invention was in the future, and by the future they were talking about like the 90s, people will have more time. People have more time to themselves. People have never worked longer hours than they work now. Yeah. But the, the whole reason for everything was so that everyone had more yeah. personal time, more social time, time to do what they wanted to do. And, I mean, it doesn't seem to be going that way. But, no. we, but, but the, the, the reason for all of this is, is out of pure laziness. Speaking of electrics and electric things have you noticed that 
the number of people now who are on electric scooters and uh, there's what happened to the push scooter that people used to use or used to do a paper round on one of the push like, aluminium push scooters bicycles i mean I, I still see people on bikes but it seems a lot of people who are on bicycles have abandoned them for these electric scooters or electric things i i'm <laughs> this is like a two-year window and it's gone crazy it's because there it's because there are a thousand dirhams to buy and you can fold them up and take them on the metro and the public transport. And it's quicker and easier and over a year probably already cheaper than getting a bus. And the bus stop is never where you work. It's always down the road. It's, <laughs> it's summer a lot. I, I see all these electric scooters as a great stopgap between, you know, getting to my bus stop, getting from my bus stop to my office. But I, I just, what worries me is people used to get a little bit more exercise. And now, yeah, they've got more time to sit around and have a coffee and an eclair, and they're, they're just standing there. Where's the exercise gone? No, there isn't any. I mean, I mean, I've been on a couple of them. I mean, the, the the core engagement is quite intense to start with, but that's about it. Once you get used to that, it's second nature. But the one for me, now to be fair, the RTA here, so the road traffic authority here, do and the police do require that anyone on using one on the road has a permit. If they've stopped you and you haven't got one, I think they do. But you have to have, I think it's 200 dirhams plus a fee to pay for the permit. You have to wear a high-vis piece of clothing on the upper body and you have to wear a helmet, which is good, right? My issue is a couple of things. One is, just like bikes, I don't know why, they seem to be on the opposite side of the road coming towards you, which is a pain. Well, they're not following the rules. But also... When I do the school drop-off in the morning, there's parents with their kids on the front of them. No. <laughs> like four-year-olds, five-year-olds, six-year-olds, kids no. on the front of them. Yeah, no, no. Without a helmet? It's a disaster waiting to happen. In fairness, you see a lot of them with helmets, not all of them. Okay. A lot of them with helmets, but that's like asking for trouble. No, you, you get the bike lane, get the kids on a bicycle, leave the bike there, you, you go home. I mean, I... I just think that's the way, and it gets kids some exercise. Well, we built that. We built that like eight-person sort of bike thing for the for the school that my kids are at, and they've agreed a, a parking space about six, seven hundred meters away with a, with a mosque, with a local mosque, and they're allowing parents to drive past the school to stop the deadlock gridlock, park in the car park, and they'll do shuttles up and down with the bike. And if it gets taken on by just 20 kids that's 20 fewer cars going in the car park which frees up the traffic movement and it also you know instills a bit of get some physical activity in the kids right so i mean yeah it's this it's everything's done for us now you know everything's done for us and i think it's going to be very hard to shake that soon uh, on that note well, it's been a fun podcast did we talk about cars we did that's a lot about cars <laughs> about cars <laughs> i i had some great notes in here what's going on in the shop i wanted to talk about bent rims i wanted to talk about plastics dj was talking about a uh, alpha and the the door latches on the inside and how did he tell you about the ac drain no An absolute shambles of a vehicle he's sat behind you now so the alpha there behind you and look, is this the white one the red one, oh, the red on one. Okay. No, we were looking at the white one because we were. It, it was. It was in, in it. We were looking the door at handles off. Yeah. without even trying. Ridiculous. And, and so he's fixed them with plastic staples, which plastic I'd never staple. heard of. Yeah, I thought, yeah. okay, this is a whole other conversation yeah. we'll have to have. But we were looking at that alpha, and the the lease price or the price for a payment 
is better than renting. Except that, and, and he says what the staples that he's put in. The, Do you the know what the irony is? What's the irony? That was a former rental car that's now being sold, <laughs> and it's cheaper to buy it on plan than it is to rent it. Um, yeah, so yeah, no, the alpha that's on the ramp behind you, that came in because the AC was flooding because the condensation wasn't draining out. Okay. To get to the drain, oh, to no. block it, you either take the dashboard out. Oh, no. Or take the gearbox out. Neither of those are pleasant. Who's thinking at Alpha? No one. Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody. No one knows whose job it is. Fiat, Maserati, and Alpha in the room, all sort of bowing down to the Ferrari guy at the end, and then they're like, oh, no, we better make a car. Let's do this. Where, where are we putting the AC drain up? It doesn't what? matter. I forgot it. Yeah. Has the gearbox gone in yet? No, we'll put a straw up there. Go McDonald's and get a straw and put that up there before you put the gearbox in then. But seriously, you see, it, and you look at the Alpha and you sit in it. It's it's a wonderful car, and then you start thinking about some of these that little thing, like just from an owner's perspective. If I now need to unblock that drip, you know that 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 water escape, what's that going to cost me? Well, the Juliet that we talked about the door handles. The first one that we saw was someone that my wife works with, and she's a big gym goer into CrossFit, and she's really strong. So we just thought that she'd rip the handle off with like some form of post-gym pump. Yeah. And then we see another one and another one and another one. And, another. and, and it's, it's, it's probably not it's probably not politically necessarily perfectly correct to say, but it is a very feminine car. And I think they are popular with, with women. But all the ones we've had have been women driving them. Handle's broken, handle broken, handle broken. And it's obviously just that. But guess what? You have to buy the whole door. Yeah. Can't just get the handle by a door. Oh yeah, okay, all right. Well, if I've got to, how much is it? Well, it's it's four million dirhams, and it's oh, we haven't got one. It was seventy-two days to get it. Yeah. No exaggeration on the time. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. So yeah, we. I mean, DJ's repaired more than two or three now. I guess. I mean, this. I mean, that should be a, a warning flag going up. Like these things are going to break. They're plastic. That's the sort of thing that should be recalled and improved. Yeah, we used to do things like that on Volkswagens all the time yeah. where people have given feedback, this is no good, and they're saying, oh, that's two or three that have said that, let's yeah. fix it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Even just when it's in for service. Yeah. The amount of times we've done stuff if, like that. If you're doing it, people taking them back to the dealer are noticing this, and they're not just noticing it here. This is worldwide. And then people wonder why people don't want to buy certain car brands. Well, that's why. Because they've got a friend who said, oh, yeah, this went in my car, and it's cost me three days in the shop and you know two months rent i can't afford this vehicle anymore so mm. on that note glenn it's been a lot of fun as always <laughs> glenn power powerworks garage it's the powerworks podcast however you're watching or listening to us subscribe like comment we want to hear from you what you love what you think's boring questions queries fire them to us we will answer them on the show but thank you for being with us. And Glenn, thanks for doing this thanks, once again. James. You've been listening to the PowerWorks Podcast. My name is James Pikeway. Glenn Power joining me. We'll talk to you again real soon.